Hi everyone. Before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to give you a heads up that unfortunately, we did have some small audio issues during the latter half of the episode. But I highly encourage everyone to keep listening as we have a special guest on this episode who will be sharing his experience pivoting jobs post college. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, this is Relatively Asian Podcast. I'm Teresa. And I'm Minnie, and this is episode 21 of our podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Last episode, we played We're Not Really Strangers, where we got to ask each other deeper and spicy questions like, do you think I intimidate people? Check out that episode to hear more. This episode, we are joined by a friend from college, Brandon, uh, to talk about his experience from being a humanities major to now an iOS software engineer and all the steps in between to get to that point. Many people work in fields that are totally different than what they studied in college, but how did they get there? Keep listening to learn more about Brandon's story and the insight he has for anyone out there also trying to make a major career pivot. So Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Hey (laughs) y'all. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to just talk about these career change stuff. Um, It's like one of my favorite things to talk about. Oh, awesome. Um, Why don't we start from the very beginning, meaning college? Um, What did you study in college? Yeah, so in college, I studied a major called anthropology. (laughs) Um, Not like the store, but uh, a lot of people (laughs) don't know exactly what it is. Um, But essentially, you can think about it like it's a humanities major. It's like sociology. um, Yeah, it's like sociology. People like anthropologists like uh, used to study like ancient culture like african cultures mm-hmm. and like native american cultures and stuff like mm-hmm. so it was basically just learning about really interesting useless stuff <laughs> it sounds interesting uh, though like i was a soci- i was a sociology minor and i like loved the courses so i can imagine like anthropology was interesting oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that you were a sociologist. Yeah, so fun cool. fact. <laughs> I think sociology yeah. is like study of systems, and then like anthropology is like study of people and like culture, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty much almost the same. Uh, okay. From what I understand, sociology is more like there's more of a scientific method to learning about people. Like mm-hmm. they can do surveys to uh, put out a survey to like a bunch of people to say to ask mm-hmm. a population about the way that they behave in some in some manner but anthropology it started off being like basically like Europeans wanting to like be like oh yeah what are all these like savage Africans and savage like Asians like doing and then they would hire like they would hire these people called anthropologists to go like live with them and like come back and like be like oh yeah they like you know eat noodles and stuff like that um so savage but but now it yeah, but but nowadays it's 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 kind of similar, but um, yeah, it's mostly like the method is you go and live with a bunch of people and you write up some mm-hmm. some report about it. Um, yeah, like I had a professor who like all my TAs like they did different like studies. Like one of them like literally like lived with a bunch of like gangsters in like Elizabeth, New Jersey, and like oh, wow. wrote yeah, like he wrote this. Everyone like you know they write some kind of like findings mm-hmm. um and they you know they hope that those findings like can impact you know like politics or like be like oh yeah we found that you know these types of people in this society like in this community are like harmfully are like negatively harmed by like this type of like i don't know like air quality like food like oh like policing and stuff like that like so it, yeah it, it was it was definitely interesting um yeah why did you study that in college um, I, yeah, I basically just gravitated towards whatever was cool <laughs> um, in, like, the first, like, 20 years of my life, basically. <laughs> was, um, there, was there, like, a specific job that you wanted to get out of college, like, with that major? Um, so, so, yeah, like, my question, I took this cultural anthropology class, and, and the, the first day the professor was, like, all right, so this, like, anthropology is, like, such an interesting, like, fascinating topic, and then he spent, like, the rest of, like, the, like, the rest of class explaining how you can get a job with it so that he could convince people you should, like, still study it, even though it's, like, 
you know, known to be kind of this useless humanities thing. <laughs> so I kind of listened to that. And then I, I went to go talk to my professor. I was like, well, like for a little bit more information, mm -hmm. um, his answers were kind of vague. Like, oh yeah, you, you know, lots of people in humanities, like they study something for undergrad and then they go get a, a master's in like what they really want to do. Um, and so I kind of thought that was going to be my route. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like this is my bachelor's. And then when I figure out what I really want to do, like, get a master's or like go to law school or become a teacher or something like that um yeah suffice to say i i, I didn't really didn't really have that much of like a solid path in my mind i was just like oh this is really interesting okay so it sounded like it was just like a stepping stone to like later you would do something else on top yeah of yeah I, I would love to say that i was really like i had this whole master plan but i really did it <laughs> okay so what was your first job out of college then uh, so yeah, I, I joined Teach for America. Um, I don't know mm -hmm. if either you're familiar with it. Mm, not, not super not, familiar. <laughs> yeah, why don't you explain that process to us? Yeah. <laughs> that is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of the Peace Corps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's similar to the Peace Corps, essentially. Um, the, it, like the Peace Corps finds volunteers and they send them like across the world to like do some kind of volunteer work. Mm -hmm. for a set number of years like one year or two years and then teach for america is essentially the same thing kind of but it's like they find college graduates that are willing to be teachers in like underprivileged communities in america for two years gotcha. yeah so so you basically <laughs> i can say a lot about this topic <laughs> but you're basically like there's a teacher i'm sure you guys are aware there's like a huge teacher shortage quote unquote mm -hmm um in this country um and teach for america is basically trying to resolve this problem by by displacing uh college graduates that are willing to do this work into those areas but they really don't like train you that much so it's like extremely hard <laughs> and like the turnover rate for teachers who quit teach for america is like extremely extremely high <laughs> like turnover um, and i'm sorry like turnover like, before the two years are over yeah yeah oh wow yeah yeah, and I fall into that under that category as well. <laughs> Wait, so did you need like um like a teaching degree to be able to join Teach for America, or like what prerequisite did you have to have? You really don't need that much prerequisites to be honest. Which um is like part of the flaw. Um, it works for some people. For some people, it doesn't really work. For me, it didn't really work out. Yeah. So the the government gives you an emergency teaching certificate because you need a teaching certificate to teach um you know public school mm -hmm. or whatever but um the government is like oh in light of this crisis teacher shortage situation we will grant the members of this like teach for america core a emergency certificate and they can teach an actual school uh class while they are getting their master's so i was doing that oh i see so you were getting so a master's yeah i was getting my master's in teaching oh. from like an online school that they provided oh so you have to it's like it's mandatory to show that you are like taking the steps to getting yeah exactly oh got it so i guess wait do you need a bachelor's degree to do it at least uh yeah i'm pretty sure you do okay yeah. <laughs> so there's some there's some prerequisite okay. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't have said that i, I yeah <laughs> There okay. are prerequisites. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> like it's actually pretty difficult to get into, and they yeah, I thought it was like, yeah, <laughs> anyone can do it. You don't need anything. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone signs up. No one gets accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think I miss kind of word that incorrectly, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so, what what topic like what uh, subject did you teach for Teach for America? Uh, I taught U.S. history actually. What oh, great. Oh. I taught the um, the grade from hell, which is eighth grade. <laughs> That's so funny. Love a love a preteen slash new teen. Yeah, middle school years oh, the best time. That's rough. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, kids like kids would be like, I could catch kids like I could just tell this one kid like this other kid. I'd be like, oh, so, so you like this girl, don't you? And uh, and they would just be like, Mr. Fong, like who told you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. I think that would be hilarious to watch. It was a wild time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask, like, how, how long were you in that program? So I was in it basically from when we when I graduated until like Christmas that year. Okay, so like a semester. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, like summer and then like a semester. 
during summer, we had to do this uh, training where we we were at Philly mm-hmm. at uh, University, and uh, we taught a, a summer school class, and that was that was insane. That was insanely difficult. I was part of your training, like that was the training. Oh, that yeah. was. What <laughs> <laughs> you had to teach? <laughs> yeah, we we had to teach, and the funny thing is, like I. I don't know that much. I don't have like a formal degree in history or anything. I just think history is kind of like interesting. I know some history from like some class I took. So I had to actually learn the history while I was teaching the history too. So it was a, it was quite a lot. (laughs) I guess like what was the hardest part of that experience? And like, what was the final incident or what, like whatever you may call it to like make you decide you needed to like do something else? Yeah. So I could go on, I could do like, if we did another podcast episode, I could do a whole one just about Teach for America, because I have a lot to say about it. Um, but essentially, I'll, I'll give you this picture. I walk into class, and the kids are like screaming, and I turn around to write on the whiteboard, and the kids like throw like cereal at me. Oh. And then the, a fight breaks out, and then I try to break up the fight. And along the way, like kids are throwing punches, like punches, you know, accidentally get thrown at me oh as I'm th- pulling two like eighth graders off of each other for some, you know, stupid fight they had. And then after that, the principal comes, takes them away, and then I have to keep teaching the class while the kids are still throwing cereal at me. So that was, I'll just give you that picture. Oh my God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would last like a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Really a lot of light. I did not know it was like that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll just say this. It's it's not obviously it's not the kids' fault at all. The kids are the, you know kids are kids. It, no one should really blame them. But a lot of these communities where they put Teach for America core members, mm-hmm. like specifically our communities that like like the teachers, the veteran teachers quit, and so like they can't handle the students. And the students act up a lot because there's their environment doesn't make sense. Like the administration, maybe. Well, in my case, the school I was at was very unorganized and and very new. So the administration was kind of all over the place. But then their environment in general, like it was a low income neighborhood, um, and a lot of the students were coming from underprivileged backgrounds, whether that be by race, socioeconomic status, et cetera, et cetera. Like a lot of these kids had everything, the world against them. And a lot of these kids would say, and one of the kid, one kid said to me like, oh, do you know who your dad is? Um, like mm-hmm. as like a straight up real question, like not mm-hmm. rhetorical or like, you know, it, um, and, and I said, yeah. And then he said, do you know who your mom is? And I said, yeah. And then he was like, wow, you're pretty lucky. Oh my God, that's so sad. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. So suffice to say, my experience was very difficult. I don't blame it on the children at all. Um their behavior is a product mm-hmm. of their environment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean imagine like if your parents like one parent is gone and you know your other parents are your other parent is like scraping to get by and in a world that is just against them, like, you know, you're not gonna really have all the tools you need in life to succeed uh, and but that was what we were trying to give the students but at the same time it was just way too difficult of a task for to recruit a bunch of like college grads to do let alone college sense. grads that are not even really adequately trained exactly exactly not really a training that's already teaching You're <laughs> they're, just just, like, they're like already just using you for- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what training yeah. okay <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah exactly so yeah in the end i i just i couldn't do anymore um on top of that i I had to do grad school class like i did grad school homework like well let me just say this i teach all day get home had to grade papers i have to prepare the lesson for the next day and i had to do my grad school homework wow and so all of that i just couldn't do um after even just the teaching part itself Mm -hmm. like Compared to what I do now, I sit in front of the computer and I, I basically, you know, quote unquote, solve math problems. And people think in society that that's like super difficult and straining. And it is like complex, but compared to how tired I would feel after teaching one single class mm-hmm. versus how I feel now after finishing an eight hour day of like solving math problems, like 
like it doesn't compare like after teaching i would like be like you know screw it. i gotta go like treat myself and like go get some like food i really like or like watch a movie or like do something um like splurge on myself like basically like every day i felt that way so yeah imagine that like stressful yeah. environment like you have to decompress after yeah oh. yeah so i i just i had to resign um i actually resigned while the while the i was getting reprimanded for like the third time from my administration for not being able to effectively break up a fight oh like gosh. fast enough like they showed it me video footage of he's like here's the footage from your class oh. and then you it's, you see a corner but i wasn't fast enough to like stop it from happening and then just then, like, they were like, what do you think about this? And they're like, we're going to, like, give you these, like, demerits or whatever, like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what do you think? And then I was just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. That's ridiculous. I don't, what? Okay. Wow. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but it sounds like you gained a lot of wisdom from that experience. A lot of life experience in that, like, six months alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks. I, I I think I really brought about life, just seeing different people from different parts of society and just kind of recognizing my place in the world. I think that was a big thing that I learned, like just recognizing how basically easy and privileged my life has been in a lot of different ways um, and how not everyone has that. That really opened my eyes up a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, well, I feel like we could talk about that for a really long time, but... (laughs) We do want to talk about coding. So to move on to the next topic, um, what made you take an interest in coding after this whole Teach for America experience? Yeah, so after I resigned, I didn't know what to do. I, my my first thought was, oh, I'll like keep being a teacher because I really did like teaching a lot. Mm-hmm. Like my honor students, I didn't have to deal with pretty much any disciplinary issues. So I just got to teach like the whole class. I was just teaching. Uh, American history, teaching like children about like the roots of you know where they came from and where the country came from, and we had a really good time like talking about really interesting topics, and that was super fun. I came out of that experience saying, okay, I like teaching, I want to keep teaching, mm-hmm. but for now, like my mental health, like I just got to get out of here first. So I got out of there, and then I told myself I would research some ways to continue my grad school. But essentially, all the programs that I could join were almost the same. And I just was like, you know what? I would love to be a teacher, but I don't think I have it in me to do the discipline like aspect. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, my dad is a programmer. Um, he does. He has his own business where he. He read software for like restaurants to use to like ordering takeout and like putting orders from like the kitchen to like a certain table for the waiter to take to. Like that's the program he basically does. Uh, and since I was a kid, he kind of always wanted me to basically do the same thing. And uh, for a lot of the time, I kind of was like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And specifically, I know you want me to like take on your business one day i really don't want to do that which i'm sure i don't know if anyone will relate to relate to that but um yeah eventually my dad was like oh you should try making this app i need for um like these clients these restaurant clients like for um putting online orders and then i i thought it was fun so i started learning about that just like went online i was like oh how do you build an app uh, and i found this tutorial that was made by apple um, and it was part of this series of books or tutorials or whatever that was called like everyone can code. It was kind of meant for kids, basically like a game and you like write code to make like the little characters move around and stuff. And the, and like, that's how they teach you. So I started doing that and I really liked it. Actually, I, I did that and it kind of reminded me of the one computer science course I took in college, which just going back to my what we were talking about before, I didn't do any math in college. I didn't take any math classes or anything like that in college because I was a humanities major. But my senior year, I thought it would be fun and random to like try to do like a hard class just to see if I could do it. And so I took this computer science like intro class, actually kind of like as a bet because I was like, oh, I want to see if I can like do like a hard like STEM class. And so I made a bet with 
with some friends like okay you guys have to help hold me accountable to me getting an a in this class and if i don't get an a then like i have to treat you all out to like korean barbecue or something like that and then i didn't get an i didn't get an a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you get close <laughs> yeah no I, I gotta be proud. oh that's pretty good uh, I missed, that's pretty good that was- yeah i missed some like really really important homework assignments like over spring break I feel that um the, the intro to computer science class i feel like was like a weed out class wasn't it i guess like, yeah a I lot guess of people so. who like wanted to study computer science so i'm impressed that you did that you're scared yeah. out of boredom Thank and you. or just a challenge <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah yeah i needed like a qualitative reasoning or, or whatever it's called so i was like well <laughs> Yeah, so I, I kind of had that background, I guess, just like the foundation of one class. And then, yeah, I started learning online. Uh, I got really into it because I like to, I was playing this video game, um, Zelda, and like there are these puzzles in the game. And then I found myself like doing the tutorials for coding, like more than I was playing my video game. Cause, and I thought to myself, it's kind of similar because I'm like trying to solve these puzzles in the video game but in the coding it's like i'm kind of doing the same thing but it's like harder and it's like harder because it's like actually hard and not because like it's like a game made for like kids to like solve (laughs) yeah so i I, that's when i kind of realized i liked Mm -hmm. it yeah then i basically just kept learning i got involved on like i basically said to myself okay you know what like this is what i want to do i'm gonna i want to become like a mobile app developer i want to work on like iphone apps and stuff like that because i always thought that was cool mm-hmm. i did this quote-unquote boot camp which was actually like a night class really it wasn't really like what you would think a boot camp is it was just like i went to the city like twice a week and for three hours i would like learn about app development but it was all stuff that i already knew from learning online so yeah but it was really cheap it was like two thousand five hundred dollars it wasn't mm. the price of a regular boot camp either. What's the typical cost? Mm. Um, so nowadays, like, like there's a huge boot camp craze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a lot of people want to make the same jump from you know something random to mm-hmm. coding or something unrelated. There are a lot of these really high end boot camps that have extremely good like placement stats. They'll say like, oh, ninety eight percent of our mm-hmm. graduates get a job in software development, or now are like this percentage of our graduates start making like eighty thousand a year, a hundred thousand a year, like within like their first job or their second job or whatever. Or some of our graduates work at Google or Facebook or whatever like that. Um, and a lot of these boot camps they cost anywhere between like ten, twenty, thirty thousand wow. dollars. But oh, wow. the catch is God. yeah, like wow, right? But the catch is if you don't get a job for a lot of them, they say you don't have to pay oh. anything. That's that's uh, pretty good then. <laughs> it's like it's like a, a year, right? But you have to be like actively applying for jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's like a window, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there are other like factors that make it appealing. Like some of them, instead of paying cash, after you get your job, you pay like 20% of your paycheck. Oh to them for two years oh so regardless of what that paycheck is it's just 20 percent. like that's the contract yeah i mean don't quote me on this some some of some schools it is like either this figure mm-hmm. or this percentage of your paycheck whichever one is like fulfilled gotcha. first so wow. it's yeah i think it's a little bit it's not so like mean like it's a cut percentage yeah, <laughs> yeah i had this job where Two of my coworkers were like that. They were still paying back like a percentage of their paycheck every week, every two weeks. How long did your boot, uh, not boot camp, I guess like your night classes run for? And did you get certification uh, yeah. out of it? Yeah, so my night, my boot camp, quote unquote, ran for okay. three months. Yeah, a lot of people ask me like, was it worth it? I'll say <laughs> this. The only thing I got out of it was a teacher that could help mm. me. And wow. like, I could message him like, oh, you know, I'm, at the end of the class, near the end he was like okay build an app and so i started building this recipe mm-hmm. app and then i started texting i was like oh i have this question i can't figure out how to like do this thing it's like keeps giving me errors um and he would be like okay bring it in uh, to, on thursday and then we'll go over it and so that helped a lot in terms of like networking and making steps to actually find a job like did the night class provide any of those resources or did did you have to do that on your own yeah yeah, so they like made it sound like they would, but not really. <laughs> um, 
yeah i essentially yeah just essentially just like studied every day and once i like studied a lot once i got to a certain point i was like okay i'm gonna stop studying really and just make my study time about building something like making mm. something it was like working on this recipe app this app that you can you know find recipes and store them or whatever yeah i just like worked on that every day from when i finished the boot camp I finished bootcamp at the end of summer. So September, I was like working on the app and I just was applying to like tons of jobs, um, like hundreds of jobs. I had a spreadsheet and I told myself like, I'm not going to get discouraged until I apply to like 200 jobs and like, I don't have any wow. like real <laughs> results. And so I essentially did that and applied to like 200 jobs, something like that. Uh, and I could see like on the spreadsheet, like how many I applied to. And then at that point I was like, well, I'm going to lower my standards and I'm going to say, Okay, if no one wants to give me a job until I have more experience, then I'll just like work for free. And like, what is a synonym for working for free other than an internship? So I started applying to a bunch of uh, like internships, unpaid internships. Some of them were paid. November, I got this internship at this startup, this like really like not early stage, but like they were like all over the place. This like, I won't say what it does, but, but yeah, it was like some crazy idea. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was so excited, like, oh, yeah, someone's going to give me the chance to actually code, like, for real. Um, and I, I got that internship because this person I met on Facebook in the Subtle Asian Tech <laughs> chat, or uh, Subtle Asian Tech, like, Facebook page, this guy was like, oh, I was like, oh, anyone here, like, an iOS engineer, that's, like, what I'm aspiring to do. He helped me out a lot. He was like, okay, like, since you don't have a degree or anything, like, all you need to do is prove that you can do the actual thing. So like, you should just build a bunch of apps or build one app that's really good, build a second app, and then just like put on a website and then show employers that you can actually do the thing. So that's essentially what I did. And uh, with the recipe app, like I was able to get that internship and then they weren't paying me. So I just like bothered the hell out of my, um, my manager like every day. <laughs> I was like, I do this, how do you do that? Why is this like this? Why is this like that? And I know he was like pretty busy, but I was like, this is my currency right now yeah. that I'm getting. Yeah, I did that until I told myself like halfway through the internship, I'll start applying to jobs. And then I basically did that. And then the first job I applied to had like the word junior in it. And I thought, okay, their, their expectation is lower. So I might get this job. So yeah, the first job I applied to was at this other startup. And yeah, like, like, thankfully, I got that job after they, it was a bunch of interviews. And one of them was like, sending me this take home task, like, oh, build this weather app, which, you know, takes hours. And that's something common in tech these days, like in software engineering, it's like for a job, they'll ask you to build like a whole thing as like a homework assignment. And then, and then the, if you don't get the job, you just like wasted all those oh. hours. Can you add that oh. to your portfolio oh, um, or like your website? Okay. Yeah, good, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what I, yeah, I was like, if I don't get this job, this is going on the portfolio, this weather app I made. And I've got to mention my sister helps me a lot with the apps, like the design mm. of them. Cause uh, yeah, she, she used to be a graphic designer. Um, and so she, she helped me with the recipe app and the weather app. And so it, they looked really mm. like beautiful, even if they weren't like functioning <laughs> like the best way, they looked really beautiful. And uh, yeah, that's that's an advice that I give to a lot of people looking for a job is like, if you want to build, if you're going to build a portfolio of apps that you built, like make them look really mm -hmm. beautiful because they will be mm, biased to sure. that. Um, and when I interviewed, the CEO was like super biased <laughs> by how beautiful <laughs> the app looked. Like it had this like, you know, raindrop animation and everything. And I remember when I opened it up, the, the CEO was like, wow, that looks so great. And yeah, by the way, the, the startup was like five people. So they were all there like in the interview. <laughs> that's yeah, true. So, yeah, that's the startup life. So I got that job. It was like all so like high out of my mind, like just on on the fact that I got a job, like in the cars, like vibing out, like just like having a great time because like all my work kind of paid off so yeah. how long so I, wow that's crazy i didn't know actually... oh i was no, just gonna say yourself. just for like purpose of timeline from jan for basically a whole year you were unemployed so this was your first when was this when yeah was, so how long i guess had passed from like when you quit america and yeah so you got this job okay. basically a year how was like that yeah. like i know you say like teach teach for america like you quit for your mental health, but then to be like grinding and like hustling for a whole year, 
before you get your first job? Like, I guess, like, how did that impact your mental health? Yeah, what was, did you feel, like, isolated? I don't know, like, what was that like? Yeah, so I'll say one thing. It was better than getting yelled at by students and and principals. Um, but, yeah, it was hard. It was definitely hard. I had some, like, part-time jobs, mm-hmm. some odd jobs. Like, I worked at a lawyer's office, which is, like, a friend of a friend who offered me that job, um, at, like, really graciously. I, I yeah, I did a bunch of odd jobs, so I wasn't like totally like unoccupied. But I think the hardest thing was yeah, seeing like my peers and my friends like go beyond me and like you know the ones who really had it all figured, quote unquote, figured out from the beginning, like made it in all the right things, got the right internships. Um, you know, it, it made me feel like okay, I I have a lot mm. of catching up to do, which I feel like you know it's relatable. Oh. But I think the biggest thing was my dad <laughs> was just like. I could tell he was uncomfortable. Mm. Like the longer I was unemployed, yeah. I, I also like proposed to my girlfriend that summer. Yeah, so I was unemployed uh, for like all of 2019, pretty much, or like underemployed because I had some odd jobs and part-time jobs. But I proposed to my girlfriend in like August that year. So so yeah, it, it was my dad was like just like how are you gonna get married and not have a job um and he didn't say this to me all right but i would hear from my mom that my dad is like my mom would be like your dad is stressing out so much like every day it's a asian asian parent mentality yeah yeah it, it made me feel like uh like you know everyone's got their time to you know bloom i, I like to say like i read this thing i was like every popcorn kernel pops <laughs> at a different time but they're like all the same um and, and I was like, you know, like, it's, it's my time to pop. I'm going to pop late, but, you know. But my dad was just like, he really, a lot of things went wrong in his life that mm. were out of his control. And so he he has become a very, like, he worries a lot about everything yeah. going wrong. And I, and I think that's yeah. um, pretty common for, like, an immigrant sort of, like, mentality yeah. um, for a parent. I guess, yeah. like, what I'm... Well, I'm curious to know, like, what helped to get you through that and, like, continue to give you the confidence that you were, like, on the right track, pursuing the right thing, even without seeing fruit for, like, a whole year. Because um, I think yeah. a lot of people probably want to make career pivots, too, and, like, are scared, right, of, like, taking that risk. So, like, what, yeah, what helped you get through that? And, like, what kind of advice do you have for for someone who's, like, maybe in the middle of that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I, like, the longer it went on that I didn't have a job yet, the more that was kind of my fuel that like I have to like I kind of have to do this like because I'm too deep now um even though I I didn't really feel that yeah I didn't really feel like I should turn the other way Mm -hmm. or I should have but um I think my girlfriend fiance at the time she was really good at just like consoling me and just you know telling me that like you know our our Asian parents it sometimes seems like their love is pretty Mm. conditional but you know Vivian was really there for me to just to just be like you know my love is not conditional for you like you're still smart to me you're still like worthy of love you're still like I still love you and like you know, like, it doesn't matter if you're broke or rich or whatever, if you have a job or you're unemployed, like, you're trying your best. And that's what matters is that you're not like lazy and not doing anything. And mm-hmm. on top of that, she was very much like, I do know you're going to get a job because you're so smart. I believe in you. I never doubted you for a second. That is love. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's the best. She, she, she helped me a lot. And, and then Vivian's dad, surprisingly, like, well, I shouldn't say surprisingly, but Vivian's dad is like, he has like a PhD in like computer science. Like he has a master's, a PhD in computer science. And right now he's a professor in computer science. And like, you know, one of his kids goes to UPenn. Like he's like done it all. He was like, he went to National Taiwan University, which is like the Harvard of Taiwan. He was like top in his class. So I I was scared he was going to be kind of like, you know, like where's the money at? But he was really nice to me. Like the whole time he was like, okay, you're a teacher. That's so great. And then when I told him, I was like, you know, like, oh, I want to get into coding. He was just like, oh, great. You want to get into my field? Like, let me know if you have any questions. Like, I think it'll be great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm like so blessed. <laughs> I have like the best father-in-law. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, So I just, I guess I have a question. Was there a reason why you chose at the time not to do like, um, like, I guess a real coding bootcamp and doing that like other program instead? 
Because if you did a real coding bootcamp, do you think that would have like helped you get a job quicker? That's a really good question. I don't know. I think I was just like very like, I bet I can do this without spending like $20,000. Like I was just like really optimistic about it, um, which was kind of crazy at the time. Like to think back and think that's what I was thinking is kind of crazy. Cause like, I didn't know anyone mm. who did this before. Um, and so it seemed like just like this made up thing, like in the future that like could be totally just imaginary, like an imaginary future that could never happen. Um, but now I, now I basically like try to like proselytize as many people to like the path I took. So for example, my best friend, he basically went on the same path as me. Cause he was like, Oh, did you really like, you got this job and he was an IT major, which is pretty different. Like in IT, they don't, well, depending on which IT, like they don't mm -hmm. really teach you how to code or anything. So, so sometimes it's not that related, but I basically, he was like, I want to do the same thing as you. And I was basically like telling him like, dude, don't go to a boot camp. Don't waste your money. Cause like, I feel like there's a process to this and like, you can just do the same things I did, but then like miss all the mistakes and I'll just help you. Um, so I helped my friend and after like 10 months, he also like got a job at Betterment, which is like this like huge, like fintech company and he was like making six figures like right off the bat but he didn't do a boot camp wow he didn't do a boot camp he just like i just told him here i think you should study this uh, stuff this is what i did and like i think you should do x y and z and did then you even do the night uh, class that you did like the yeah, 2.5k wow <laughs> no no yeah <laughs> i told him like he just used your advice <laughs> that's it yeah 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 i told him like dude learn like do some like online learning and then just like build some, like get some idea for some app and build it. And I'll just be like, I'll be here. Like, just ask me whenever you want. And he would call me like all the time and be like, dude, I'm kind of stuck on this. What does this mean? And I would just help him. Cause like, to me, it's really easy. Cause now I already have this job. I do it all day. I'm like, oh yeah, this is super easy. So I'll help him. And then, yeah, he got that job a little while after like me and him kind of, let me say this first. I got a bunch of people throughout the years so this all happened like two three years ago i got a bunch of people like throughout the years message me and say oh dude i, I heard about your story um can you help me because i'm kind of curious and doing the same thing so i created this discord server and and my friend the when i told you about he i was like let's do this discord server together and just like put a bunch of people together who want to do the same thing and like just be there to help them out because like this transformation, this like job change, like transformed my financial life, transformed my career, like, and I really, really like it. <clears throat> um, so, so yeah, there's this third guy who is this, um, someone we knew from college who basically wanted to do the exact same thing. And he was in the Discord server and, and then me and my friend Yellen, we just like helped him for basically a whole year, like in the chat, we just told him to do the same thing. And then in the chat, he'd be like, oh yeah, can you help me with this problem? I don't get this. I'm trying to build this music app. And then like, after like 10 months, basically like wow. he got a job too, without spending any money too. Wow. That's pretty incredible that for you and uh, two of your friends, uh, you were able to pivot into a coding careers without having to follow that traditional path of taking a boot camp. So for anyone else out there who is also looking to make that jump from an unrelated field into coding, um, what kind of advice do you have for them and practical steps that they can take to achieve their goal? Yeah, so I think, well, first, I want to clarify that there are um, basically a few choices, pretty much three choices, um, if you want to get a job as a programmer from having no experience at all. Mm -hmm. One, the most general is getting a job making websites, and that would be a web developer job. And when I say websites, I don't mean like an empty page that just talks about like, I don't know, dinosaurs, something like that, like from top to bottom that you might make in some like computer class in like middle school or something like that or high school, but um, like web apps specifically. So a web app is like facebook.com or Twitter, or if you go to the Discord website, like there's a whole lot going on. There's like instant messaging. There's a huge feed that is you can endlessly scroll and stuff like that. So a web developer basically builds that. Um, 
and then you can build apps on the iPhone as an iOS developer or Android. Um, essentially, most boot camps uh, teach web development because there are the most abundant jobs for that. And the reason why is because every company needs a website. Not every company needs a mobile app. So that's kind of the reason why there are less jobs for mobile developers. Like some companies like McDonald's might want a mobile app, uh, Walmart, Home Depot, they might say, oh, it'll be better for our shoppers if there's a mobile app. Um, some companies basically are their mobile app, like Uber. Mm. Um, but then there are other companies like for example, like if you work at a Pershing Bank or something like that, like there's no reason they need a mobile app, I'm pretty sure. Especially if you work like B2B, like from business to business, and you don't work with customers. Um, so those type of companies, I feel like, you know, that's a big reason why the majority of computer programming, uh, like, like app development jobs are in making websites. Um, so these boot camps, they all teach web development. And in theory, it might sound like, yeah, there are so many more jobs. So let's teach the thing that is like the basic thing that will have all the jobs. However, iOS uh, and Android, they're pretty niche. And iOS is, I would say, more niche than Android. And the reason why is because the iOS, the language, the, the coding language you have to learn is a little like niche and weird. It was invented by Apple. The whole system is a little niche and weird. It was all invented by Apple. Like the whole yeah, the whole setup, they have some barriers to entry. One barrier to, en to entry, for example, is the fact that you need to have a Mac to build iOS apps. Like, the software won't work on a PC. So yeah, iOS is niche. And I personally think that's the reason why I was able to get a job. Because there, when I speak to some recruiters, the feedback sometimes I get is like, Oh yeah, whenever I find an iOS developer, I'm like, yes, because like we have so many positions for people that build iOS apps and like, you know, I can't find that many people. So for me personally, that's how I think I was able to get my job. And then my my best friend Yewon, lo and behold, in 10 months, he got a job at Betterment, this you know, big fintech company making six figures. Did he also do an internship? So yeah, he he did the same process as me, which essentially is learn how to build your you know, target pro, uh, apps, whether that's you know iOS apps, you know web apps. Um, build a bunch and apply to a bunch of jobs. But it, it, if you can get one, great. But for the most part, I wasn't able to get one. Yoan um, wasn't able to get one. Then basically apply for an internship or say, can I volunteer? Can I work for free somewhere? Like somewhere to get you real job experience because that's what employers like to see. They like to see that you can actually do the thing. They don't, I think they don't care that much about how you learned how to do this, especially for in the coding field because there are no actual like certifications. Like engineers have like certifications and stuff like mechanical engineers and stuff. Like, but like, there's no like certification for like a programmer. You can just like, learn it all online and just do it like you don't need to to get anything like official um so yeah do an internship um and then take all that information that you're learning and all the contributions you're making and then put that on your resume and then apply for jobs and that's what i did yeah i think this process really works um where you don't really have to spend money and and going back to like the whole ios versus web thing I think that the the fact that we have all done mobile development, iOS development, and it's so niche, it's so like weird, and recruiters find it, I feel hard to find. Mm -hmm. I feel like that helped us a lot like to the, get the these market. jobs and not have yeah. to spend all that money. Yeah, exactly. There's, I feel there's a scarcity for people who do this weird programming that's, you know, really in need. Um, so... So yeah, and then one thing I'll say is um, the the latter end, like the kind of the back end of the process of getting a job, uh, eventually you'll have to kind of switch modes from just learning and building apps to learning how to interview. Um, for those of you who don't know, a lot of coding interviews, like interviews for a programming job, involve the interviewer giving you like a math riddle and then seeing how fast you solve it and if you solve it right. And what I mean by a math riddle essentially is like, they'll tell you, if I give you 
like a whole bunch of numbers, 7, 11, 55, 42, 3. And then I tell you, I want you to find the two numbers that like add up to 10. So let's say there was like 7 and 3 inside this jumble of numbers. Write me code that will always find the right numbers and return to me like which ones they are as fast as possible. Wow. That's an example of like, you'll be in front of a whiteboard and they'll tell you to do that. Mm, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they like compare how well you write it compared to like the uh, next guy they interview. Um, and they'll like take a picture of the whiteboard afterwards and they'll like go into a room and like compare your code and see like who wrote the best code, whose code works. And then on top of that, like while they were writing the code, like how well were they like communicating, showing like teamwork skills? Um, yeah. It's like super daunting. They're assessing like both yeah. technical and stress skills at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, yeah. And, and it's BS because it has nothing to do really with like your actual job. <laughs> like at my first company I worked at, I saw them interview this. Well, I, they interviewed this guy in, in this room and they came out and then they were talking about him like in the like, lobby. So I could kind of hear. And they were like, oh, yeah, he was great about everything. The only thing you didn't get right was like the coding problem on the whiteboard. And then the the marketing manager looks at the engineering manager and he was like, how, how much will that like affect his day-to-day -day actual performance? And then the engineering manager looks at him and he's like, honestly, zero. <laughs> and they all start laughing wow. and they're like, okay, let, they're like, let's hire this guy. <laughs> oh, wow. And then the next day, like he shows up and he's hired and, and we work with him like the rest wow. of our time there. That's yeah. It. Okay. So day to day, obviously you don't do any of that stuff. You do like other things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just say day to day, like we for me, my job essentially is pretty much two things. One is if when there's a new feature, um, the product team will will talk with investors and stuff and say, Oh, people want like this screen, they want a feature where you can like um like let's say change your accounts if you have two accounts or something like that. And like, we found that like people need this or whatever. The, the designers will go and then design it and make it really beautiful with the same, like following the same logo, font conventions and color scheme as the rest of the app. And then they'll send that PDF to the developers, which is us. And then in this special format where you can like, if you highlight over like all the buttons, it tells you what the colors are, what the fonts are, um, what the pixels are, like how wide is this button? How tall is this button? Um, like how much is the curve of this button? Like um, where, does, where does everything fit? What are the colors and fonts? Um, and then me as a, as a mobile developer, like I make it on the screen, like by typing the code, which I find like crazy. Like you're just like typing gibberish and then you just like create something that someone else imagined in their head. That's half the job. Uh, and then the other half of the job is like, oh, we have this weird bug where like if a user like taps on this, like address, like something weird happens and then like they see this weird thing, like figure out how to fix it. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't really require much like real math or anything. Like, I feel like anyone who has like a good head on their shoulders and like is logical can do the job. Um, the most math you have to do is like sometimes you're like, okay, this this button is like supposed to be ten pixels higher than this other button, which means this other button is over here. Like, that's like the most like it's like middle school math basically. If you can do like middle school math, like you're good to go. I feel like going quickly going Ooh, okay. back to know. like web development versus mobile app development. Do you think that maybe a boot camp is more necessary for people trying to get a web development job? Um, the interesting thing is like web development is I would say it's kind of harder than mobile development. I think. And the reason why is because web developers, for the most part, like they have to handle a lot more stuff than we do. Like uh, nowadays, a web developer is like expected to know two things. One is called front end and the other one's called back end. The front end is basically like if you're looking at Facebook.com, where are all the pictures um the buttons like the colors the fonts and then the back end is kind of like dealing with 
the databases. So when you go on facebook.com or instagram.com, there are a bunch of databases. Like when you sign in, like how do they know what your name is? How do they know what your picture is? How do they know, you know, who your friends are? Like all that stuff is like basically memorized by a computer somewhere like in the world. But um Oh, I guess I'm yeah, just curious, like, because, like, with your was. process of, like, not paying 20, 30K for boot camp, like, you and your two friends, like, all became mobile developers. So I'm just curious, like, if maybe for web developers, like, a boot camp holds more weight on their resume and, like, it's more needed for someone going to uh, web development. Right, right. Whereas, like, mm. I guess for people listening, if they want to go into mobile development similar as you, um, then yeah, it would make more sense for them to, or, they can like avoid having to go to a boot, a boot camp. Um, now that I think about it, I I mean I personally think you can do it without a boot camp, but that's just my thinking. I don't have that much experience with being a web developer and mm-hmm. looking for a job and seeing how difficult or hard it is. Um, I do know people that have graduated from boot camps and they they know web development, yeah. but they still had a difficult time getting jobs um and obviously it's everyone's case by case you don't know if that we don't know what circumstances have led to that but to me i don't know something mm-hmm. makes me think that it's like the market that there are just so many yeah. web developer jobs and so many web developers that makes me think that but I, I think if you really just dedicate yourself to just making a bunch of different websites and different web apps like i think it'll yeah. it'll come a job will come eventually but then again, you know, take that with the grain of salt because I, like I said, I don't have that much experience yeah. in that. Uh, yeah, area. I think at the end of the day, mm. kind of like you mentioned, okay. like yeah. it's not like companies don't care how you learn something. It's just like if you can do it. <laughs> so you still have to be able to, right? Yeah, specifically <laughs> so for need coding those, like, Regardless too. of if you went to a boot camp or not, you need those like projects on your resume, work experience on your resume, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the this with like coding, it's like such a revolution because there are people that previously like would have no access to these types of jobs, these types of like financial situations, income streams, like financial liberty, like and and like jobs that are really fulfilling and fun in an interesting way. Like um yeah, I like the thing I mentioned before, the thing I volunteer for, like helping people get um jobs that um like they may have a criminal criminal record or they they're formerly incarcerated um they that's like a huge thing it's like anyone can learn to code regardless of where you come from or how much education you have and like i said before there's no there's no um certificate there's no like test you need to pass there's no bar or like there's no cpa or whatever for coding you just you just do it and then people see you can do it and then they'll just hire you if they really if you really prove you you can do it which like knocks down the wall for so many people that previously had no access to this like whether because of race or because of their you know socioeconomic standing or because they didn't have enough money to go to college Mm -hmm. and i think that's like the awesome thing about coding yeah that's really awesome so i guess to wrap things up what's like your best advice for someone to trying to make a career pivot and is there anything that you have regretted that you've done or would have done differently? Um, yeah, I think my advice, if you're looking to make a career pivot, is just network. Like, the most important thing you should do is network. Find people that have the life you want or the whatever aspect career you want and just ask them about it. Ask them, like, how they got there, what steps they took, and what mistakes they made that they can spare you from making. And I found that there are so many nice people in the world, honestly, like so many people that like if you ask them for help, even if you're like a stranger, they're a stranger to you, like they look at you and they're like, oh, wow, I remember being like you, like so like un- unsure, so afraid and like I made all these mistakes and they can like help you like that empathy that people feel like they can help you to to not make those mistakes, which I think is really the biggest thing. Like when I was doing this process, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know what else what I was doing really like which direction I should go to like and a big question is like am I even studying the right thing like am I am I spending the right time doing the right thing and 
I would find these Facebook groups. Like I would look up like iOS developers, mobile developers, software engineers, like people learning coding. And I would join all these Facebook groups. I would find these communities on Slack, Discord, all for people like doing the same thing. Um, and I would just say like, hey, I'm trying to learn how to do iOS development. Anyone here um, like have any advice for me or like they know or whatever. Um, and and surprisingly, I found some really nice people. Like there was a person who was like, hey, like I'm an iOS developer. I love helping people. Like if you want to hop on a call, I'll give you some advice. Like look over like what you're doing right now. And that that actually happened. And, and he called, we called. And it was a total stranger. And I just told him my situation. He was like, all right, let me tell you this. Like, you need to, um, you know, focus on building one app, putting on your resume, putting in your portfolio, um, and then blah, blah, blah. And that, that's like that advice that I pass on now is like, you need to have a portfolio full of apps to show you can, to prove to, to companies that you can do the thing. Um, and uh, yeah, that guy helped me a lot. And I was like, is it okay if I like occasionally message you asking for help when I'm stuck on a coding problem? And he was like, yeah, totally. And for a while he kind of became my mentor. And yeah, that was like golden, like having people to answer my questions because when you are doing all online learning, like the, mm -hmm. the biggest thing you're missing is like feedback from somebody, both feedback and like when you don't yeah. get something, there's like nothing you can do when you're watching a YouTube video if you don't understand can't say like, oh, I don't really get it. Can you help? Um, but a mentor can definitely do that. Um, so, so like, I definitely think, yeah, networking is huge. And another thing I'll say is like, one thing that has really held me back for like mm -hmm. a lot of my life is just being afraid to ask questions. Like mm -hmm. being in, in lecture or being in a class and be like, oh, I don't really understand, but I don't want to be that guy who raises his hand and it's so embarrassing. What if mm -hmm. everyone here understands except for me? Then like, I look so dumb. But I had a professor in college who was just like, dude, just get over it. Like, like you're paying for this education. Like, get the most out of it. Um, and I feel like that resonated with me and affected me in college. And then now I try to carry that with me. Like, like. I try to tell myself, just embarrass yourself. Like, literally just embarrass yourself as much as you can. Like, I'll be like, this might be a stupid question, but I don't understand this basic thing that is the basis of what we've been talking about for like an hour. <laughs> or like, or like saying like, everyone's talking about this term and then just be like, oh, excuse me, I, what is that? Um, and, and yeah, like you have to like lay down your pride and lay down your ego that, wants to kind of hide that you're that you don't know something or like hide that like maybe you know you you might sh expose that you're less um experienced um but i think this like really has been kind of like a mantra i follow that has helped me so much and especially in the coding world i remember when i first joined uh i work at WeWork now when i first joined WeWork, i was looking through the code base and there's so many things i didn't understand so many things that made me feel like imposter syndrome like i hear i see all these phrases and words i've never seen before and i'm just like feeling so much imposter syndrome like oh i should have known these like if i was more experienced i would know what all this stuff is and i asked my um onboarding buddy that was assigned to me i was like oh what is this thing called tanuki i see everywhere like and i i was assuming that it's some code thing that everyone should know and he was like oh no that's like um this code like library that we invented ourselves and like we named it after like this raccoon in mario called tanuki <laughs> that was a fair question then yeah i was just like oh okay you guys invented this thing so like i shouldn't feel bad that i don't know what it is because like how would i know what it is because you guys invented it and you use it only inside this code base. That happens to me a bunch of times. And if I hadn't asked those questions, like my younger self would have done that. Just like, oh, don't expose that you don't know this. Like, it's so embarrassing. And just like, kind of like lead, continue with the silence of, you know, whatever, om omitting my question. But like, just embarrass yourself all the time. Just <laughs> ask a bunch of questions. And if you have to be annoying, just be a little annoying. Like, at my, at my internship, I was like mad annoying to my manager. Like, I was like, yo, they're not paying me a, a dollar for my time here. So I'm going to get my money's worth in the knowledge that I'm getting because that's that's how I'm getting paid. So I would just bother my busy manager all the time. Like, oh, what does this do? Why is the code written this way and not that way? Um, you know, how come 
how come this code like looks different than I would have thought to code it? What is, what is all this code? What's the function? Um, and he taught me a lot. And I use a lot of that stuff I learned and put it on my resume. And uh, yeah, so so yeah, that's my really my advice is like network and uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just ask like pretty much like every yeah. question you have, like obviously within reason to like, you know, read the room. Like if you're like really being annoying or like whatever, but, but just like mm-hmm. embarrass yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's really great advice. And honestly, I really respect how far you've come and the hustle you've done to get here. Yeah, and I'm honestly just so happy for you that you were able to find something that you truly enjoy doing. And like you said, it was something that transformed your whole life and you get to help other people while doing it too. And I feel like that kind of ties back into like the original love that you had found for teaching. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, like finding a fulfilling career, I feel like is very difficult. Um, And I just feel really lucky and like i said i love helping people like learn to code and honestly i feel like coding is just like it's just like the best like it's it's so fun if you're the type of person who like might get obsessed with like building something like when i was a kid me and my dad was like let's go build an igloo like when it starts snowing or like let's build a four like or like just like you get obsessed with like just making random stuff like coding is basically that you just like there's nothing in front of you and you just start typing until like you make it like you just invent something and i think that's like that's really fulfilling and on top of that like it's so useful in real life livy and i um we we do this expense tracking thing every week where we track how much money we spent like I, I write down every basically everything I bought this week and then I figure out like how much I owe Vivian and how much she owes me so that we, you know we're splitting our money fairly and equitably and then I Venmo her all the money I owe her and I, I Venmo charge her for all the money she owes me and it's like such a tedious process like typing like every single transaction and so I wrote this program I was like you know what? I'm I'm gonna make my life like easier so I wrote this program that I basically just run run the program and then it writes down all the things I bought this week uh, from my Mint app um, and then figures out how much I owe Vivian and then sends her all the money on Venmo and then it Memo charges her for all the money that that, um, that she owes me. Wow, you should totally, you know, monetize that. I'm sure other people would want to use it. <laughs> yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be great. Like. I, I hit I'm always like honey are you ready and she's like yeah and I hit like this enter button and then her phone just starts like ding 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 like Brandon Fong sent you this one Brandon Fong sent you ten dollars like dash like shop right Brandon Fong sent you fifteen dollars like dash like like um like dinner or whatever um so it, it's made my life like a lot easier it's really cool um do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up um yeah just thank you guys so much for inviting me um like I said I love talking about getting people jobs uh, in the coding world. If anyone's out there that's like really on the edge, like I want to make the jump. I don't like my job or whatever. And I want to become a programmer. Like it's totally doable. I totally encourage you to do it. If you have a good head on your shoulders, if you can be logical, um, definitely do it. I was literally like an anthropology major. Like I, I took, I, I like thought that my only skill in life was like, being good at reading and writing and I was maybe going to be like a professor or a lawyer or something like that and there was no point in like training my quote-unquote left left brain or or like analytical like like math brain there was no point in like focusing anything related to numbers or math but then here I am and I feel like it's kind of proved to me that for the most part you can do anything you shouldn't limit yourself because I used to definitely think like there are math people mm-hmm. and then there are like english people or like or like you know language people but and that used to live in me a lot because i thought like oh which one am i i am a language person like i'm never gonna do math i'm not good at it um me and math don't mix a lot of people feel that way um but but it's just simply like a box we put ourselves in that limits us and gives us an excuse to say like oh yeah i'm not good at this because i'm not good at it and i'll never try it um but but yeah, like don't limit yourself. Like if you really try hard, like you can do, you can do anything. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope people, if anyone wants to join my Discord server, we love to join, have more people join. We, we just had somebody from college who, she was a pharmacy major. And then now she, I think she took like a year or so. She That's actually awesome. went to one of those boot camps, um, web development boot camps. And now she got a job at JP Morgan. Um, 
just like two weeks ago or last week. So um, yeah. Do you, do you have any yeah. advice for or encouragement for people no, who are like super helpful, take the first step and like pursue their passion <laughs> or make a huge career pivot? Yeah, um, that's a good question. If you have the means to support yourself um, while you learn and, and study, I think it's really like specifically for coding. Yeah, it's scary. Um, I, I hope that my story can be an encouragement and, you know, all my friends that have made the same job, my friend Yo, my friend Wook, um, our friend Subin, like, like I, I hope, yeah, it's an encouragement to someone who's scared to, to do it. Um, yeah, I follow this guy named like Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you know him, but he's this like entrepreneur. He, he always says like, in life, you should do what you do, um, but then do what you love, like after work, and then do that thing until like that thing is, well, when talking about entrepreneurship, do that side okay. hustle thing until it makes enough money for you to quit your main job and just do the thing you love. Mm -hmm. And that's not like totally exactly the same here, but if you have the time to, you know, start learning after work and, and then first see if you like it. For me, like I said, when I realized that this coding thing was kind of like playing video games, that's really fun. That's when I knew I liked it. Keep going and see if, you know, you're good at it. You don't have to really be that good at it, to be honest. And then talk to people, network with people who made this journey um, or like want to. And, uh, if you're scared, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I feel like you can do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a super positive and inspiring note to end on. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom and experience with us. So thanks so much for listening to this episode. As always, Minnie and I are looking for new topics to discuss on the podcast. So if there's anything specific you'd like to hear about, let us know on our Instagram. Our handle is Relatively Asian. We'll talk to you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>